Right. Welcome to episode five of Tackling the Premier League podcast with your host, Jack Sosa17. Alongside me, BJ the Germ Jackson, Jay Sue the Boob Super. How are we doing, guys? Doing good, doing good. Hope everybody else is doing good. Oh, yeah, back to the real world today. Heck yeah. For those of us uh, listening on in, in America, hope you enjoyed your three day weekend, your Labor Day weekend. For those of you, internationally listening and yes we do have an international listener shout out to you we hope you had a good weekend unfortunately not a three-day weekend but hope you had a good weekend as well lots to cover here in the tackling the premier league podcast gang week six guys i really think the only thing that was worse than var this week was uh lester's defending what do we think guys yeah it was pretty atrocious we'll get to all that we'll get to all that we'll first start with a saturday morning 7 30 a.m local eastern standard time a Merseyside Derby that lived up to the name. Boys, what did we think of this match coming into it? And obviously, we had a 2-0 wins for Liverpool from you two and a 2-0 win for Everton from me. What did we think about this when we saw the lineups come out? I mean, yeah, I thought I was uh, staying on track with my prediction, 2-0 with Liverpool. I thought they had a pretty nice lineup coming out with the um, – you know, with Darwin Nunez back, with him back in the starting lineup, I really thought he might get on the score sheet, but – that did not happen. No one got on the score sheet. Yeah, honestly, waking up that morning, I started getting the feeling that Everton could do it. But as you can see, nothing was happening except for a few good chances in this one. Yeah, final score nil-nil at uh, Goodison Park. Uh, when the lineups came out, personally, as an Everton fan, I was ecstatic to see us going back to the four at the back and Neil Mope getting a debut. The first game of the season for Everton, we can actually say we started a true number nine striker. Um, and, and then to see Samikas starting for Liverpool and Robertson on the bench, the the feelings were there. The nerves were definitely there, but the feeling was there that we could have come away with a chance. Obviously, Nunez back. Was hoping to see a little bit more of Tarkowski and Cody working him up, but he kept his cool well through this one. And he had two really early ad- headers that both he should have scored. Neither were on target, uh, but but he started to show glimpses of, of him being involved in the game and how much Liverpool had missed him. Later in the in the first half, he got a nice volley with a brilliant save from Pickford, rebounded to Luis Diaz, who nailed the post. Couldn't believe this game stayed 0-0 at that point. Couldn't believe this game stayed 0-0 moving on. Really, Pickford was the star of the show. What do we think of his performance today, guys? Without Pickford, uh, y'all probably lose 2 or 3 nothing. honestly, here. Yeah, without Pickford this whole uh, season, y'all might really be in a relegation battle. But, yeah, Pickford's been y'all's uh, man of the season, no doubt, this year already. Well, I'd say without Pickford, we would have never been in the Premier League this season from from the end of last season. Uh, he, he, he really started to come on, and he looks truly one of the best keepers in the world with some of the world-class saves he's making. Uh, we'll move into the second half. Uh, you had a Neil Mope opportunity. Everton break, 5v3. Uh, on Liverpool, and Mope just blundered, couldn't finish. Great save by Allison to make himself huge off of his rib cage. Goes out for a corner, and, and then just four minutes later, Everton have a corner. Ball's hit into the box, not cleared by Liverpool. Across the pitch comes the ball. Connor Cody back post wide open, tap in. 
Goodison Park erupts. I don't know about you guys. I erupted at home, running around the house screaming, uh, only for VAR to chalk this one off for about an offsides for about I'd say I'd say 12 to 15 inches offsides. After Everton's goal is chalked off by a brilliant VAR call, 75th minute, Virgil Van Dyke gets away with a nasty challenge on Amadou Onana. Straight sh studs up into Amadou Onana's shin. Uh, and only sees a yellow card. VAR checked it and backed up the referee's decision. Do we agree with that call, guys? I mean, not, dude. It was right right above the ankle, man. That could have been really, really bad. I think it should have been a red, but you know how VAR is with Virgil van Dyke and the big players. I could see an automatic red here, but, I mean, especially if it was a little bit higher, but I tend to agree with the yellow. They're letting them play a little bit more physical this year. And it would have completely changed the outcome of the game, potentially. So, I could see the 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 tackle started just below the shin pad of Amadou Anana and ended on the top of the foot of the uh, Amadou Anana. So, he, he changed his point of contact throughout the, ta throughout the tackle. It just, the immediate start point that high up on the shin was, was the problem for me. And that, that's where I found it dangerous. But they let him play on. And in the 83rd minute, White McNeil had a left-footed shot aiming for the far top corner. First glance, looks like just a deflection off a Liverpool defender. Get a corner kick. After slow-mo replay, you can clearly see it struck the outstretched arm of James Milner. Wasn't checked for handball by the AR. Wasn't even appealed for by the referee. What, what, it, what does it take for a VAR challenge to be initiated? I think that one right there, the shot's just coming at him so quick. His hand is by his side. It is a little up, but it is by his side. So, I mean, I, I can understand that not being a uh, call to PK right there. I could easily see it being called one. Uh, I didn't think his arm was too far by his side. Uh, he does get helped out by <clears throat> um, the ball deflating off Virgil van Dyke to start with. And you could say he doesn't have time to react, but I didn't see his arm being in a more natural position there. Yeah, it almost looked like a chicken wing, didn't it? It was kind of his hand was near his hip, but his elbow was sticking out. Uh, either way, uh, no penalty for Everton there. Um, and two or three really, really good saves from that point on and, and into stoppage time for Jordan Pickford kept this game level. And um, Everton come out of it unbeaten in their last four games. And uh, Liverpool held to a draw today, but I think they would take this draw after uh, after the back and forth game we had. Do you have anybody anybody have anything more add, to add to this one? Huge first clean sheet by Jordan Pickford this year. Absolutely, definitely needed that. Brentford played host at the G Tech Communication Community Stadium to uh, Leeds United, and boy, with the fireworks out for this one, huh? Uh, early on, King Lewis Potter looked incredibly dangerous in his first start in the Premier League, almost scoring by taking and beating two Leeds defenders, only to be saved by Ilian Melier, which is no surprise there. But it didn't take long for Brentford to uh, to find the back of the net as a long throw, which Brentford are known for, is tossed into the box. Ivan Tony was fouled for a pin. And when Ivan Tony gets a pin, he's always going to score. What do we think of him putting that one away? He's 18 for 18 from the spot. So whenever you know, whenever he gets the ball, you kind of figure something's going to happen. Yeah, the dude don't miss. Definitely not. Yeah, with that goal, that marks his 50th goal in all competitions. 
It didn't take him long to get his 51st, did it? Uh, free kick from about 30 yards outside of the box, or not outside of the box, from about 30 yards outside of the goal. Uh, and Leeds had their wall set up on the left side of the goal, and Ivan Tony, with just a brilliant strike, finds the top right bin of the goal. Ileon Melia stuck, couldn't move. Don't think he'd have gotten there anyway. 2-0 Brentford, and Ivan Tony's on a brace. What do we think of that brilliant strike from him there? I mean, it's just crazy how much power and finesse he got on it with just two steps he took. Most players you see had to take like a huge run-up or four or five steps to really take a free kick like that. No, Ivan Tony just steps up two steps, boom, bang, upper 90 bends. Yeah, great free kick, and he almost did it again in the second half. Um, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but definitely shows that's the skill he's got. Absolutely. Here's a question for you. Obviously, he gets a, a hat trick in this game and scores a third. But does Ivan Tony have a shout for that backup number nine position in the England uh, national team this this World Cup? Based on form, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you can definitely argue it for sure. Leeds would respond, however. Uh, Luis Sinistera, two goals in two games after he flicks it up over the defender, brings it down, and then slides it just under the outstretched keeper into the side netting to make it 2-1. Uh, this this was a brilliantly executed goal. The skill it takes to pop the ball up in the air, bring it down, and then score the ball on the ground is, is underrated. And, and that might, if Ivan Tony doesn't hit that brilliant free kick, that might have a shot for goal of the game. I mean, yeah, Sinistera, both of his two goals have been kind of like that, where he's pulled it back and like caught the keeper off guard with a shot that um, they weren't really expecting. So, yeah, props to this man. Absolutely. Yeah, good skill with money well spent for Leeds. Definitely two very good strikes. Uh, give him two goals in two games, like I said. And uh, But one thing you know about Brentford, you're going to have to keep that man Ivan Tony quiet, and they didn't do that. Melier comes out of the box to clear a shot. Or Melier comes out of the box to clear a long ball. Did not get it far enough. Ivan Tony picks it up, takes on one, and then stinks it over the last defender with the keeper out of the box. A hat trick for Ivan Tony. And at this point, Brentford are up 3 1. Yeah, the guy that um, Tony took on, he actually nutmegged him right after taking the ball off the keeper there. So, uh, yeah, props to Tony, man. Nice little uh, dink over the top, too. Yeah, good way to finish off your hat trick, but. With how Melier comes out there, he's got to get that ball out of bounds. He can't just boot it straight into a, an opposing team's player. Yeah, uh, Lewis Potter did well there. If you uh, saw what he did, he um, when he was running uh, to chase down the ball and Melier was coming at it too, he jumped over the tackle that the clearance Melier was putting in to keep the ball going that way, and it hit one of their players. So props to Lewis Potter there instead of just going continuing in with the tackle and the ball potentially is going out for goal kickers or something like that. Yeah. A frustrating goal to give away if you're Leeds uh, to go down 3-1, especially away from home. But Leeds weren't out of this at all. They, from this goal, it, they just seemed to apply the pressure to Bradford. And uh, in the 62nd minute, Leeds had a realistic claim for a penalty, uh, a challenge by Aaron Hickey. Referee did not deem it as a foul originally. There was a foul later on. VAR stopped it, had a look, deemed it no foul, and Jesse Marsh saw red for dissent. What do we think of that challenge? Do you think that's a pin? Do you think that's not a pin? Tell me what you think. 
It, it looks very similar to um, Indini's foul that we saw in the Leicester game that was called a pin. So if we're talking about consistency, um, they both got to be a pin or neither have to be a pin. Yeah, but the Premier League is never consistent in their officiating. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jesse Marsh going off of getting that red. I don't blame him at all, man. He, you have to be in the ear of the um, third official there on the sidelines. So I don't blame him at all for doing what he had to do there. No, I, I don't either. Went across. And Aaron Hickey, uh, you know, he, he outside of the box, he had the shirt of the attacker in his hand. Oh, he definitely and it was had pulling. the shirt. He let go. Yeah. He let go as the player entered the box, and then he grabbed the shoulder and stepped on the right foot. I don't see how this is not a penalty call. Um, I can see how on the field the referee lets it go because they're trying to let more things go just to see how plays develop. Um, but after resulting the, the replay a couple of times, that, that's a clear penalty for me in, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Luke Ayling, back from injury, uh, picks up the ball and slots a low cross to find Mark Rocca to make it 3-2. This was a sneaky goal, and it, and it, it should have been 3-3 here as Bamford missed an absolute sitter about two minutes before this. Uh, th- both of those really changed the game. I think Bamford's miss really could have changed the game, but this goal really got Leeds the energy to get back into it. Uh, what, do, what do we think of uh, Luke Ayling's return from injury and this beautiful assist he had? Yeah, I mean, it was a nice low, uh, low cross that he put in there, and uh, Mark Rocha stepped right in front of Br- uh, Bamford to put it in, and I think he did a good job there because, you know, how Bamford just missed that opportunity you were just talking about. So who knows if he would have put it away, honestly. Yeah, no, that's what you want to see coming from Luke Ayling uh, right back from injury as he's able to play the ball and right into the thick of things. That's absolutely correct. It would not take long for Brentford to respond as they go back up by two goals. Uh, and Bueno finds the back of the net after a flick on from what seemed to be in real time Ivan Tony. He was found to be off sides, but they looked back at the flick from who I thought was Ivan Tony, and it was actually the lead center back who uh, headed the ball, not Ivan Tony at all. Um, and Bueno picked it up and slotted home to make it 4 2. Um, and, and that's one of the situations where it's kind of unfortunate for the defender because I think he expected Ivan Tony to be the one to hit the ball. And when Ivan Tony missed it, it just kind of hit off his head and landed right in Bueno's path. Um, really unfortunate there from Leeds. And, and after that, uh, the same center back had his, his pocket picked by Wisa and it just dwelling on the ball right on, right on the top of his box for too long. And, and Wisa made it five. And your final score were five two was reached at that point. Really, a, a, a disappointing performance from Leeds, uh, but but a brilliant performance from Brentford. If if you ask me, what what did you take from these this game, guys? I mean, yeah, I think it's it's more props to how Brentford played after um, conceding goals and the response to goals. So yeah, I give more props to Brentford than uh, how Leeds played. Yeah, no, Leeds struggled all the way around defensively, and the scoreline shows it, obviously. And if they don't want to find themselves in another relegation battle this year, they got to be better defending goals because we know that they can score goals. And talking about scoring goals, Bamford came on in the second half, and he didn't look terrible. I mean, obviously out of form, missing that wide-open chance in the second half, but that's something positive moving forward for this Leeds team. 
Absolutely. Move forward to a uh, newly promoted battle at the city ground. Nottingham Forest hosted Bournemouth. And guys, this one was a performance from Bournemouth. Now, thinking back for the week Bournemouth just had, lost 9-0 to Liverpool, sacked their manager, at home, host Wolves, draw 0-0, and then have to travel to the, excuse me, have to travel to the city ground to face Forest. And Forest is a completely different team from the team that Bournemouth saw last year in the championships with their 20 new signings. And and they looked at, at the beginning of this game, Forest absolutely dominating Bournemouth. They looked, they, they really looked like a better team and, and they looked very good. They had Kuyate playing at center mid again after his showing at center back during the week. And, and just on paper and actually in the first 20 to 30 minutes, Bournemouth looked good. Um, excuse me, Forest looked good. And they go up 1-0. Through Kuyate on a corner kick in the first half. Yeah, you've been pretty much saying it's, it was a tale of two halves in this one where Forrest looked pretty dominant in the first and Bournemouth, they were the only team in it in the second. That, was, that first 30 minutes leading up to the Nottingham Forest goal, Morgan Gibbs White was playing really, really well. I thought he was going to have a good uh, good showing out and uh, Nottingham Forest might have a good game, but it didn't turn out to be the case. No, it didn't. Like I said, Kuyate took a one 0 lead for Forrest, and then, and then it wasn't long after that that a uh, a shot from Nico Williams was deflected off of a defender's hand. Uh, VAR had a look at it originally on the field. Michael Oliver called it a pin immediately. Uh, VAR had a look at it and backed up Michael Oliver's decision. They actually asked him to come to the monitor to review it, and Michael Oliver stood with his original decision. Usually, when the when the referees go to the monitor, they side with VAR. But uh, in this one, they did not side with the VAR referee. Michael Oliver stuck with his original decision. DJ, what did you think of this handball? Was this a handball or was this was this safe? No, I, do, I agree. I think it was a handball. No argument from me here. Justin? Yeah. yeah, the only argument you could say is it's too close uh, with the shot coming off with that much pace, but his arm wasn't anywhere near beside him so that's got to be given as a pin in my opinion yeah at first glance and then looking at the replay i thought it was harsh to give it um but like you said there's no argument what part of the body the ball hit it was clearly forearm to hand um and and the player seemed to have turned his body to kind of shield his midsection away from getting hit by the shot and in doing that he kind of put his arms out to brace for for impact with the ground and clearly strikes his hand if if you don't give that, what is a handball? And uh, Forrest go up two now. Yep. Didn't last long though, did it? No. Uh, Bournemouth came out to play in the second half. Yeah, they did a thunderous strike from Philip Billy uh, from about thirty five yards out. And guys, I don't think that ball spun. At all. I mean, just you could read the words on the ball the entire flight from the live camera angle. It was a strike and a half, no spin, and it found the top corner. Yeah, what a strike there from Billing about 30 yards out. Absolute rocket right up under the bar. Yeah, not much more you can say about it, fellas. What an absolute beautiful shot by him. Dominic Solanke makes it two. 2-2 with an overhead kick uh, that deflected off the defender behind him, just lifted up over Dean Henderson and brought Bournemouth level in the second half. And really, that, that's kind of the moment in the game when you thought Forrest have to respond or they're going to be out of this. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Bournemouth in this second half really put it on Forrest and put him under a bunch of pressure, and Forrest had to respond, and that response never came. Yeah. Jaden Anthony in the 87th minute sealed the late comeback win for Bournemouth. Uh, off the bench appearance from Jaden Anthony, and really just a, a superb comeback from 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 the team that we thought were kind of down and out. Uh, still saying Bournemouth is a lock for relegation, guys. Oh uh, yeah, I'd I'd still say yeah. Yeah, I think so too. But this is a big three points. Um, if they want to have any hope of staying up. Absolutely. Massive three points for them. You have to beat the teams that you were newly promoted with, and uh, and they did that there. And we'll move on to uh, Chelsea West Ham. And, and this one, a very controversial game, really late in the game. We'll get to that. Uh, we'll start earlier in the game. Really, you know, Fofana makes his debut for Chelsea, and Pulisic gets his first start for Chelsea. Whereas the other side, Paqueta gets his first full start, and and, and really, the beginning of this game was quite chippy, uh, back and forth, slightly dirty. You could say uh, this was a true London derby, guys. Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, Chelsea had a lot of good chances, especially in the thirty minutes. But West Ham slowly crept back into it. I thought. Yeah, they did. I thought I thought Chelsea were bound to score in that in, in the first half, but they really just did not find the back of the net. West Ham being astute and and, and keeping them out. Um, yeah, to add to that, um, as strong as Chelsea looked in the first half, they uh, didn't get anything on target. Zero saves for Fabianski, which so they just needed to work the keeper. Yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta work the keeper in order to try to find the back of the net and they did not do that there. Um just at the hour mark though, uh West Ham three consecutive corners. Uh the second one, Jared Bowen with a brilliant volley, forcing a brilliant save out of Mindy. That was the first shot on target in this game, coming in the sixty first minute sixty first minute. And uh it didn't take long as the next consecutive corner, the ball gets kicked into the near post, flicked onto the back post. Declan Rice tries to shot. Can a little goal line scramble there, and Antonio's there to tap it in. I mean, yeah, you had about four players laying in the goal when that ball rolled into the net. So, yeah, a goal line scramble is a good way to put it. First goal of the season for Mikel Antonio, and he, as he fights for his position, um, Gamaka obviously missed this game through uh, illness, but Antonio trying to show that he should be the striker at the London Stadium for David Moyes. Next, we'll move on to uh, the 76th minute when substitute appearance Ben Chilwell uh, really had a, had a really, really nice goal. Ball was flicked into him. He heads it up in the air, does a full 180 with his body, adjusts, and then takes a touch from out of the air to Meg the keeper to put him level 1-1. What a goal this is by Ben Chilwell. And he's, had, he, he's been working real hard. I think he has a shout for that starting position over Mark Kukurea. Yeah, especially considering whenever uh, him and Havertz came on in the seventh minute. They changed the game, completely turned it around for Chelsea. Yeah, Chilwell finally looks like he's getting back in form after that injury-ridden season last year. I'm happy to see it from him. All he's thought he's been a pretty good left back, especially when he was at Leicester. 
Yeah, he's he's he's, he's top performer. And a, a terrible injury last season, but he looks like he's getting it back. You know, he started the season um, and and earned the penalty away at Everton uh, to put Chelsea up one 0 uh, Hadn't really played much since then because of the purchase of Mark Cucurella, but it came into this game and really changed it. So props to him for that. We'll move forward to the 86th minute where Maxwell Cornet has a chance to make it 2-1 but nails the post and on the ensuing counter, Chilwell finds Havertz to put Chelsea up 2-1. How devastating is that from West Ham? Have a chance to take the lead, get countered on, and then 2-1. That's would- kind of just like all what West Ham season is right now, man. It's just down, 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 down. It's kind of rough for him, man. You really thought that goal was going to go in, and then boom, the ensuing counterattack, Chelsea go up. Yeah, Cornet really has a knack for missing chances like that. Remember the one whenever he was still with Burnley that really kept Everton up last season? Yeah, against West Ham, too. But after going down 2 1, the, after the ensuing kickoff, Cornet scores a goal. Uh, the ball is kicked in. Jared Bowen was on the run. Uh, Mindy makes a great save. Um, ball comes out. They find Cornet, and Cornet nails it in the open goal. 2 2, 88th, 89th minute. Really a good, a well taken goal. But VAR had to have their say in it, and they deemed that Jared Bowen fouled Edward Mindy after the first save. Um, ball gets out to Cornet, and Cornet puts it in the back of the net. Mindy was still laying on the ground holding his shoulder, and they wipe off that goal, and the game ends 2-1. Guys, i got to ask you, what do we think of this one? Was this a foul? I'm going to go with no. I think the goal should have stood. It looked like really incidental contact as he strikes the ball with his right foot, and there's just not much place for his uh, left foot to go. Um, And not to mention, too, that – Mindy kind of watched the ball go straight to Cornet's feet, and then he started to uh, roll around because he knew he couldn't get back and make the save in time. So I think it should have stood, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with Justin on this. It probably should have stood, but you know how VAR is getting kind of iffy right now, so it doesn't surprise me how they're going to come back and call it Chelsea here. Yeah, so just just yeah. a couple things on that. It seemed like It seemed like Jared Bowen hesitated and then came through to try to get the ball. Uh, doesn't ever really touch the ball. Um, his his first foot catches Mindy on the back of the arm, and his trailing foot catches Mindy on the uh, front of the arm slash peck area. Really, I think the reason that they had to wipe this off is because keepers are protected more than any other player, and, and you're really not not necessarily allowed to make contact with a keeper. Now, obviously, last week we saw um, on Douglas Luiz's goal for Aston Villa against Arsenal, you're allowed to box out keepers and not allow them to go for the ball. But this week, if you touch a keeper coming out for a ball at all, uh, they're going to deem it a foul and take it the other way. I really think Mindy laying on the ground and not getting back up to try to make a second successive save really sold that. It, It really let the VAR official know that they really didn't have a choice in the matter. If, if I'm the VAR official, I'm letting that stand. One, for the vibes, because that away end when they scored that goal was absolutely immaculate. And, and, and two, because I, th- I feel like they deserved it, but obviously you don't get what you deserve in this league. And sometimes, even though you may deserve it, you still won't get it in this league. And, and, and this one would end 2-1 after that. Tough, tough 
tough to take for West Ham. Um, and Chelsea escaped narrowly with a uh, 2-1 victory there. All right, well, we'll move on to uh, what we thought would be the game of the weekend and was, yet again, another 0-0 draw. I think we have to stop calling the game of the weekend, guys, because every time we do it, it ends up 0-0 or 1-0, and it's just a bore fest. Newca- Newcastle yeah. nil, Crystal Palace nil. And I'll say this, it did not deserve to be nil nil. I think Newcastle were the much better side in this game. Oh, yeah, they definitely deserved to win it, I thought. They had most of the chances getting forward. Yeah, they did, including a 15th-minute Alexander Izak. Uh, 1v1 with the keeper, tries the dink chip, and uh, and, and Giete just made a, a brilliant save. Yeah, either a little bit more air up under that, or if he just tries to slot Gaeta there, I think they're up one nothing. Definitely. Uh, back and forth, uh, John Philippe Mateta had a couple chances, and, and uh, Newcastle had a really a, a bunch of very good chances. They actually scored one. Uh, I, I feel like we have to talk about it. Ball comes in, and um, Guieta, the Crystal Palace goalkeeper, and Joe Willock are going for it. And uh, Tyreek Mitchell seems to have pushed Joe Willock into Gaeta. Neither of them win the ball, and the ball comes off Tyreek Mitchell's shoulder and into the back of the net for a 1-0 Newcastle lead in own goal. VAR looked at this uh, and deemed it a foul on Joe Willick. Uh, well, Jeremiah, I'll get your opinion on this. What do, you, what do you think about this one? Is this a foul? Is this goal disallowed, or are you letting this one stand? No, I definitely think this uh should have been a goal. You see Tyreek uh, Mitchell, he pushes uh, his own, uh, he pushes Joe Willick into his own goalkeeper there. It's not Joe Willick jumping into the goalkeeper, it's him trying to go for the ball and getting jumped, uh, pushed into the keeper. So, yeah, I definitely think this goal should have stood. Yeah, I 100% agree with everything BJ just said. Goal should have stood. Newcastle should be up 1 nothing. I couldn't agree more with either of you, and I thought I found it funny, you know, when when uh, VAR had a had a look at it from all the angles, and then called the referee over to the monitor to have a look at it himself because he believed there was clear and obvious error, and, and that they should have a look at it. And uh, referee comes over to the sideline and only gets three of the angles and not the fourth angle. Uh, I I don't know if the VAR deemed that angle to be misleading or not sufficient enough, but I found it funny. They only showed three of the four angles to the on-field referee, but the VAR got to see four of the four. A little bit of match fixing there, guys? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, On-field referee should have um, every angle to his disposal for sure. Yeah, I don't understand why he can't like flip through all the camera angles that he wants to see. That make any sense to me? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it, it, and, and it's a little bit tough to take if you're a Newcastle fan there because that's a big three points that they dropped. But uh, you know, got to move on from it, and and we will do just that. Move on to uh, uh, the the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham Hotspur plays host to uh, Fulham Football Club in another London Derby. Pretty good game, this. I, I feel like uh, this was a lot more even than some of us expected. Tottenham definitely looked a better side, but Fulham were, were creating chances and, and keeping a little bit of possession of the ball. Pretty good counterattacks. 
We'll start with the goal, 40th minute goal. Uh, Rashalsha plays a ball into Pierre Emmerich Hoiberg, who in traffic finds the back of the net, put Tottenham, put Tottenham Hotspur up 1 0. His second goal of the season. What do we think about this, uh, this well worked team goal by Tottenham? Yeah, it was a good, like you said, it was a well worked team goal by Tottenham there. Uh, Hoiberg did really well in the box to get a, uh, a shot away. Props to him. Yeah, looked very similar to the one he scored against Chelsea earlier this year. Yeah, I did. You're right, Justin. And, uh, you know, Pyramid Hoiberg, not one that you would think is up for scoring, but Spurs will take goals wherever they can get them. Um, and especially with Hunman Song still kept scoreless this season. But uh, their other striker man known for the goals and, and he found the goal in the 83rd minute uh, Harry Kane looks like a left footed shot right close up in front of the goal and after VAR review it was confirmed what do we think of this goal and what do we think of the VAR decision yeah he was on size barely uh, though but either way you're still on and Ball just finds him after ball bounces around a few times in the box, and they just stick with it. Um, and we're just really pushing home that they're the more dominant team in this one. Um, the assist came from the old Fulham man too, Ryan Sessegnon. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good uh, pretty good description of that goal there. Uh, Fulham would respond uh, just a little bit too little, too late, uh, but you know. The guy that I am starting to get more comfortable betting on week in and week out, this guy, Alexander Mitrovic, is on a mission to prove all of his haters and doubters wrong, isn't he, guys? Yeah, that with his goal today, that makes six and six. You really can't keep him out the back of the net. Uh, yeah, this man, this man's in form right now, to say the least. Left side of the box, top right corner goal. You know, he if Fulham don't get to stay up, he has got to go somewhere. He is a true striker. He's shown he can do it in the Premier League. He obviously could do it in the championship with his record-setting season last year. This guy is truly one of a kind and uh, unfortunately wasn't able to make quite as much of a dif- difference today, but uh, but uh, still scoring, and, that, and that's what we love to see. Uh, third goal was scored in this game. Uh, by Richarlison, but he was deemed offsides after a VAR review after removing his shirt and slinging it around, going crazy for his first goal of the season. Chalked off. 2-1 was your final score. Nice little yellow card for Richarlison, and Spurs remain undefeated. <laughs> you gotta love it. Takes off his shirt. Celebration. Goal is disallowed and gets the yellow card. <laughs> Classic. Can't beat it, right? Nope. Yeah, gotta love it. But with Kane's goal, he ties Thierry Henry's record for uh, goals in a London Derby this, and surely this year he's, he'll surpass that with as many teams that are in London. Absolutely. We'll move on to uh, Molyneux Stadium where Wolves hosted Southampton. Southampton coming off the back of that 2-1 win versus Leicester. Uh, Daniel Podent's goal in the first half uh, gave Wolverhampton Warriors the first win of the season against the Southampton squad. Justin, we said it when we were predicting the games. Wolves have to score goals, and and Podence gave them one today, and it was enough to make the difference, huh? Yeah, typical Wolves win here, one nothing. Um, you, I mean, that's typically what we've been seeing from them in the past year or so. 
Uh, but Prudence gets the ball from uh, Nunez, and uh, <clears throat> he just kind of dinks it over the keeper, whether it was done – I think it was unintentionally by the way he hit it because he hits it straight into the ground to start. But that midfield is really what started it because the ball was won deep by Neves and finds its way out to Nunez. So there's class in that midfield, like we say. They just need something up top. Yeah, um, Bazuna here, he um, even thought that Potence was going to strike it well and went to ground early, and it's very unfortunate for him because, like Justin said, Potence doesn't strike it clearly and it kind of bounces right over Bazuna. So that's unfortunate for him there. Southampton really came to play in this game. It's very, um, again, unfortunate for Southampton with the Lavia injury. injury. He's hurt his hamstring, so he's going to be out for at least six weeks. That's a big loss to that Southampton midfield. Yes, it is. And Southampton, like you said, they, they really put up a, a really good fight. They outshot Wolves, just not enough on target. And, 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 and in a game, Wolves are very good in possession, and we expect Wolves to have dominated possession in this game, and they did it. This was a 50-50 match. Really just a, a good game. Southampton just not enough quality uh, to tie it up or, or to even pull in front, and, and Wolves get their first win of the season. Yeah, Kyle Walker was a uh, Kyle Walker Peters was a real menace on that right uh, flank today for Southampton. Absolutely. We'll move on to Villa Park, where Aston Villa hosted last season's champions Man City, and um, this game had all all that you want in it uh, in a possession versus counterattack game. Um, the fighter score ended one one, and Steven Gerrard won a very, very, very important point, but it did not come without an Erling Holland goal. And what a ball by Kevin De Bruyne for this goal. Really just finds, picks Erling Holland out on the back post. Erling Holland ahead above the crossbar almost just nails it in. And that puts City up uh, one, one, one nil at the stroke of 50 minutes. Yeah, very good anticipation from Holland because it seemed like uh, Emmy Martinez was going to get a finger on it and tip it on over, but Holland was just there for uh, his tenth goal of the season, and of that, six of those have come within uh, within the six yard box. Nah, man, Holland's just in the right place at the right time. That man is a goal scoring machine. That's really all I got to say about him. Yeah, and he could have had another one earlier too if. Kyle Walker plays it over to him rather than trying to uh, find the near post, which the keeper had blocked pretty well. So just the third time this season where Holland's missed that he would have had a sitter. That's right. Uh, but it didn't take uh, too long for Aston Villa to respond. The 74th minute, uh, Leon Bailey with his famous left foot uh, shoots from the center of the box into the top left corner, assisted by Jacob Ramsey and uh, puts – Astonville level 1-1 in this one. Yeah, really good finish by Bailey there. Um, just picks Ederson apart. We always knew that they were going to score in this one, or at least I figured they would. Um, but I think City just have to be better on attack as we missed chance after chance. This one did not go without any controversy, and we have to bring it up because Aston Villa scored a goal uh, later on to make it 2-1, but the assistant raised his flag before the ball went into the back of the net. Therefore, VAR couldn't intervene and call it a goal. You know, the, the Premier League tells the officials keep their flag down unless they're absolutely 100% sure that it's a goal. Uh, and, and after slow-mo replay, you could clearly see the player was on size. 
and uh, and Ashton Villa were robbed of three points there, a much-needed three points for Steven Gerrard. The referee just messed up there, but I don't know about necessarily robbed because it seemed like Ederson might have had a chance at it, and two, the defense stopped going as soon as they heard the whistle. But nonetheless, the ball did see the back of the net, so City did kind of get lucky there. Darren, want to add to that? Oh, y'all pretty much covered it, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Man City remains still undefeated this season. City and Tottenham are the only two remaining undefeated teams. Uh, with that, we'll move on to the Sunday games. Brighton Hove Albion at the Amex Stadium. Pretty early with a uh, Kalishi and Asho uh, goal within the first minute. Uh, Leicester off to a brilliant start. The start that they really needed in this game. Yeah, Tielemans wins the ball up high at the pitch and uh, gives it to Daka, who just slots it over to Ian Nacho for a sitter, really. And perfect start. That's exactly what Brendan Rodgers and the Foxes need to start it off. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about this goal later in a different game. It didn't take long for uh, Brighton and Hove Albion to uh, respond with a, a Luke Thomas own goal puts Brighton and Hove Albion level with Leicester City inside 10 minutes. Yeah, Trossard crosses the ball in, and it finds Sally March, and he heads it in, and it just deflects off Luke Thomas at the corner of the post. Um, kind of unfortunate there because he had his back turned, and Ward didn't have a chance for it, but nonetheless, it found its way in. And then not too long after, Brighton finds Yeah, they another. did, and coming from their uh, prized midfielder possession, Mo- Moises Caicedo, uh, really a difficult angle, uh, and, and, he, and he finds a brilliant finish uh, following a fast break uh, and, and puts Brighton up 2-1 inside of 15 minutes. So a brilliant start for Brendan Rodgers and the Foxes and, and, and uh, not so great uh, 15 minutes after that. Yeah, no, they sloughed off defensively, but... We know they're leaky at the back. That's fair. Uh, as uh, Wilfred and Didi started again at center back. I, I mean, honestly, coming into it, I thought this Leicester team, it was a pretty solid lineup coming out. Only uh, part it is, did come out to show was Ndidi as a center back. So I guess that's kind of the, uh, coming to show that he really maybe can, is not meant for that center back position like they're kind of hoping right now. But they just brought in a new signing to replace Fafana. He's just not really ready yet, so we'll have to see how he can do when he comes in. Yeah, I don't think his work visa's gotten fully approved yet, unless it has here in the past couple of days. Shout out to Brexit, am I right? Leicester would get back in it before halftime, though, as they drew level in the 33rd minute of the uh, Patson Daka right-footed shot from outside of the box. Uh, Yuri Tillmans with uh, another assist on this one? Yeah, but, I mean, it should have been an assist. That was a crazy-ass ball he played over the top, right over the Brighton uh, defense, right to Daka. I mean, the defender um, tried to get a touch on it. It's all he really, he really could do, and he tried to go for it, but he just didn't get there. Absolutely. It was a brilliant, it was a brilliant yep. ball. Yeah, very Vardy-esque goal from Daka here, which is why they went and got him a couple years ago, so maybe we start seeing more of this. Absolutely, and that would do it for the first half. Um, and the second half, um, Brighton really just kind of showed their class. And, and Leicester, uh, did they run out of energy? Did they run out of motivation? What, what was it in that in that second half, guys? 
Lester's a team falling apart right now. I don't don't even know what to say. Okay, goals from uh, Leandro Trossard, uh, Alexis McAllister penalty, and uh, another Alexis McAllister goal. I mean, speaking of Alexis McAllister, that one that he had, they ruled um, no goal, man. That fucking rocket he had, if it wasn't offside, holy yeah, crap. He- that he, would have been gold. He caught that easy. very, very cleanly. And it, it was a little bit of a controversial offsize as well because, you know, the, the Brighton player didn't touch the ball, but he was deemed to have played the ball or, or put an at and thrown yeah. off the lesser defender. Really wish that one would have stood so we could have a new candidate for goal of the season. But uh, um, that one's chalked off. But Alexis McAllister did get his goals. Uh, would have been a, a hat trick, but he, he, he had a penalty, and then he also had one deep into stoppage time to uh, take Brighton up 5-2, um, and, and that's how this one ended. You know, looking at the statistics, in terms of attacking quality and, and attacking prowess, Brighton really, really dominated Leicester in this one. Uh, 23 shots to 6 shots, and, and if that's not a statistic that says anything, um, 53% possession to 47% possession, you know, Lester just could not find it on the top end of the pitch or the back end of the pitch, and it, it just really didn't didn't uh, didn't fall together for him. We've been talking about it for the past couple of weeks. Uh, Brendan Rodgers really struggling to get this team going. Uh, not looking good for him. Yeah, it's really not. I've been reading reports that Lester are looking to uh, go ahead and fire him before the games this coming weekend. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say he's definitely on the hot seat with uh, Gerard, but Gerard uh, kept his job for a little bit longer with that um, draw he got with Man City, so that helps him. But I would definitely put um, uh, him and Gerard on the hot seat. Okay, well, we'll move on to the other, the final game of the weekend if y'all have anything else to add to Brighton Lester. No. Final game of the weekend, a uh, top six showdown at uh, Old Trafford between Manchester United and Arsenal. A lot going into this game. We'll start with a uh, first half disallowed goal. Uh, Erickson picks up the ball deep in his own half, and uh, Martin Ardegard with strong press wins the ball back and uh, finds Martinelli for an eventual Arsenal goal to put them up 1-0 early in the first half. VAR had a look at it after Manchester United appeals and deemed that uh, Martin Odegaard fouled Christian Eriksen to originally win the ball, which led directly to the goal. Uh, no goal for Arsenal, and it remained nil-nil. Justin, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I thought that was a definite foul. Um, two hands in the back. I think he gets a little of his foot, too. I mean, I know BJ's going to say weak, but I thought it was a foul, honestly. No, I mean, it's, de- it's definitely weak on Eriksen there, dude. He rolls over like he got a little breeze of wind hit him, but whatever. We'll move on for it. Like I said, I think it uh, just reminds me of that Tillemans goal earlier in the day, and that seemed to be allowed, and this one wasn't. But okay, I'll give my opinion on it. I thought, you know, I think in terms of of how strong the tackle was, I don't think that it necessarily was a was a a fairly uh, strong tackle. Uh, I, I don't know that weak would be the 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 word that I would use to describe it, and here's why: it, it, it's not about how hard he hit Erickson; it's about where he made contact with Erickson. You know, the the rule book states that uh, shoulder to shoulder to contact is acceptable, but when you go through the back of a player, that's when that's when it's deemed a foul. I think 
the referee not calling it on the field, even though he had a clear view of it, was, you know, a little skeptical. Um, and then Arsenal directly scoring off of it, VAR had to get involved there uh, and, and just give the referee a second chance to make an opinion on it. And, and the referee deemed it to be a foul. Like I said, if he goes shoulder to shoulder with Erickson and through the side of Erickson, I think he gets away with it. But going through the back of Erickson, uh, I, I don't think you're going to get away with that, especially with it leading to, I mean, what was it, 10 or 12 seconds later they scored the goal? Yeah, yeah was- something like that. But I'll leave you with this about this goal. Both of the refs of this game, where are they from, fellas? They are from Manchester. That is, that is a, there are more, okay. there are, there okay. are more than that's one club in Manchester, but they are from Manchester. That's, that's all I would uh, say. Moving forward, uh, a 35th minute strike by debutant Anthony put Manchester United up 1 0. This goal coming off the back of 20 consecutive Manchester United passes, where all 11 of Manchester United's players touch the ball. Um, uh, a ball goes in. To Rashford, uh, Zinchenko, and Saliba double-team Rashford. Uh, Rashford's able to find Anthony out on the right wing, who slots home to the back post with his left foot and kisses the badge to celebrate as he's the new boy in Manchester, and, and Manchester take a 1-0 lead. I mean, yeah, just very unfortunate here about Arsenal. They totally meant to double-team Rashford there when he, as soon as he got the ball on the edge of the box. It was just the ball went through um, Zinchenko's outstretched leg, so... Very, very unfortunate play there. I'm not sure what Ramsdale was thinking. I honestly thought he um, he might have thought Anthony was uh, right-footed there for a second. But, okay, we'll, we'll move I along. I a question for you. So, do you think it was the correct decision by Zinchenko to try to double-team Rashford, knowing the 1v1 defender that Saliba is and knowing that he's got Anthony wide open on the wing behind him? I mean, yeah, I do think it was. I mean, he was trying to get there quick enough to where he didn't even have time to turn. But... It was just a well-taken pass by um, Rashford, and he, like I said, he dinked it right in between Zinka's outstretched leg. Gotcha, gotcha. Arsenal would respond in the second half uh, through none other than their academy product, Bakayo Saka. You know, just a, a really well-worked Arsenal goal, um, and Bakayo Saka with his with his signature left foot from the from the middle of the box puts him up or, or draws the game level one-one. Yeah, uh, people want to say that um, the loot just uh, kind of uh, played the ball to Saka there for an easy goal, but it was if you look at it, it was Jesus, just um, great presence in the box by him, having to put that pressure on the right there, having him to play that poor crawl um, clearance, which went right to Saka. It was all the presence in the box by Jesus there that caused that goal. Manchester United. Take the lead in the 66th minute through a fast break. A brilliant through ball from Bruno Fernandez finds Marcus Rashford outside the box shot, puts it away, puts our, uh, Manchester United up 2 1. Uh, what do we think of this goal and what do we think of Marcus Rashford finding a bit of form in the Premier League again? Yeah, when this man finds form, he is one scary player. Um, so it is uh, really, really um, scary to see him getting informed like he is right now. I don't like to see it, especially just what he did to my team out here. But, yeah, it seems to be helping out Man United a lot. Yeah, he's seems like uh, Erickson Hag is the one that needs to be coaching this squad. They're starting to come together. But talking about the goal, 
Yeah, it takes a touch from the defender on the way in, and you can make an argument uh, Ramsdale has it covered, if not for that. Yeah, White tried to – maybe you can argue that White tried to do a little too much there. He he tried to uh, sling his whole body at the ball at the last second, and he ended up, do, like Justin said, getting a touch on the ball and kind of put it out of Ramsdale's uh, way. So, yeah, maybe Ramsdale would have got the save on it if White didn't try to go over the top with that um, – Save Those are the worst goals to concede when when you when you see on replay that the goalkeeper has it covered and it just takes a deflection off a defender trying to block it and it ends up in the back of the net on the not even on the opposite side of the goal but just in a different different angle. It's just it, it's frustrating because you're almost like leave it, he's got it, but at the same time you can't blame the defender trying to make a play to block the ball. Um, but it did find the way to the back of the net and um, in the 75th minute, Marcus Rashford again finds the back of the net. Assisted by Christian Eriksen on this one, and Manchester United would finish that game 3-1. What did we think of uh, Marcus Rashford's second? Uh, it's almost for tapping to go up 3-1, and it really took the wind out of the sails of this Arsenal squad. As you see, a few players drop their heads. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Arsenal fans around the crowd, you can even say some of them dropped their head, but... It was a well-taken uh, pass by um, Rashford there. As soon as you can see, as soon as Erickson gets the ball and he realizes it's a 2v1 situation there with the goalkeeper, he knows he's going to play the ball right to Rashford. All Rashford has to do is just stay behind him, and Erickson's going to serve it on a platter, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, he's known for those. And and, and I will say this, before this goal, uh, after going down 2-1, Mikel Arteta made a number of substitutions to, to try to push – uh, for this game, because he realizes a three-one a loss is no different from a two-one loss, but a two-two draw could make all the difference. So he he, he uh, threw on some attacking subs. I believe he switched to three at the back, and, and he really went for it. Uh, and, and I don't think anybody could blame him if if you're a fan or if you're you're watching from afar. I think I think Mikel Arteta made the right decision. Just uh, Manchester United finished the game off with this goal, and and we didn't three-one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought we had a chance there when um, the fridge himself came on, but nah, the sub didn't help out Arsenal much any there. He did get a yellow card almost a minute after coming on. So, Yeah, if not less than. Uh, ESPN shows it. Uh, Harry Maguire replaces Lissandro Martinez in the 80th minute. Harry Maguire is shown a yellow card for a bad fall in the 81st minute. <laughs> So, yeah, did not take long for uh, Harry Maguire to uh, find his way in, in the referee's book. And I think we have to say, he, you know, this is a man that is very low on confidence. Um, and, and he's not he's not having such a hot season. Uh, and I think that's kind of a risk. Obviously, the Sandra Martinez getting hurt, you have to put him on. But it's kind of a risk to bring him in the game because he definitely looks shaky. Uh, it worked out for Eric Ten Hag here. But, but uh Definitely, definitely had some Man United fans' hearts in their mouths during that one. Well, well, overall, good game played. Props to Man United, I guess. And we'll move forward, Arsenal. Said, yeah, you were going to get beat at some point. But moving forward for United, this really could be a turning point in their season. They've won, what, four in a row now? And not only did they look really good in possession, but Especially with their first goal, they look pretty decent in possession. So maybe they got something cooking. I guess we'll see. Uh, with that, BJ, you want to move us on to the predictions? 
yeah, well, let's go ahead and start up the predictions for uh, Match Week 7 here. Um, first game of Match Week 7 is going to be Chelsea traveling to Fulham. Start yeah, I, I really think every week we're going to have a London Derby. I haven't checked the rest of the schedule for the rest of the season, but it just seems every week two London teams are playing. Um, maybe we'll just call the London Premier League from here on out. Anyways, yeah. Do we bet against Alexander Mitrovic in this one, or do we go with the hot hand? I'm going with the hot hand. 1-1 one, one draw here, uh, and Alexander Mitrovic is on the score sheet. Yeah, I agree that Mitrovic is on the score sheet again. It's hard to bet against him right now, but I'm going to say 2-1 Chelsea. If I just had to bet a game that Mitrovic wasn't going to score in, for some reason I would just bet this one. I don't think he goes seven in a row, fellas. It's fair. So... So I'm going to have to um, – I'll go Chelsea with the win here, like Justin said. I think they'll keep a clean sheet. We'll go 2-0 Chelsea. So we'll move along right along to the um, next game of match week seven, and it's where Aston Villa travels to Leicester City. And Justin, you want to start us off with this one? As Jack's been wanting to call it, El Sactico with Gerard and Brendan Rodgers. But – I mean, this one's really tough to call. Neither team's looked real good. Um, but I think Leicester's looked worse. And it seems like the wheels are just completely falling off the bus. I think Villa gets it done. And a uh, 2-1 win for him. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Justin, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Villa, uh, of these two sides that look poor, Villa looks the better one. Um, I, I really think... Villa uh, will take advantage of the leaky Leicester back line, and I think they should be able to hold a clean sheet. You know, Villa, uh, Leicester seemed to have a little bit of attack going, but uh, not much after that. And you got to think, especially if a sack comes this week, not saying it will, but especially if a sack comes this week, they're not going to have little to no confidence. They definitely won't have our new manager in, and, and they don't look likely to play for the manager that they have right now. Uh, I'm going with a 3-1 Villa win here. Uh yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think it might. I don't think three one, but I do think Villa gets the win here. And uh, fellas, I do, I think Brendan Rodgers is getting sacked after this one. Uh, Villa with the three points. Uh, we'll so we'll actually move right along to the next game where it is Brentford traveling to Southampton. Jack, do you want to give me your thoughts? On yeah, that so Southampton have seemed to turn things around. Obviously, they they had a disappointing loss against Wolves this week, but. Uh, they seem to be playing pretty well, and Brentford seem to be a force to reckon with. Um, they have one loss in their last five games. I'm going to say Southampton take an early 2-0 lead, and, and Brentford do what Brentford do, and they, they peg them back. Uh, 2-2, the end of this one. Very well possible. Um, like that uh, back line of Southampton, while still young, but I feel like they're going to miss... Uh, the midfield presence that Lavia was early this season, and Brentford is going to do what they do, like you just said, except they're going to win 2-1. Yeah, I agree with Justin here. I think Brentford picks up the dub. Uh, we'll, we'll say 2-1 as well with Brentford winning this one. Next game of Match Week 7 is when uh, Brighton, they travel to Bournemouth. Justin, you want to start us off with this one? Uh, although Bournemouth did come out with a solid second half last time, they might have used all their goals up for a few weeks, and Brighton got right back on track with the win from Leicester, and they've been solid, or more solid at the back, um, not the past couple weeks, but 
still, I don't see them letting up the three goals that Forrest did. Um, I see them winning. We'll go 3-1. Yeah, this is going to be a 2-0 Brighton win here. Uh, Bournemouth, although back on track against Forrest, uh, just don't have the quality to keep up with Graham Potter's men. 2-0 two, two win here for Brighton. Yeah, I agree. Brighton's definitely going to win this one. Um, I'll go uh, uh, Brighton keeping the clean sheet. Yeah, I'll go 2-0 two, uh, two Brighton here. So we'll move right on to the next game where it is Wolves travel to Liverpool. Jack, you want to give me your thoughts on this This one? is a tough one to call. Wolves have been uh, been working pretty hard, and, uh, and, and really they're having trouble finding a win. Uh, but they did last week. Uh, Liverpool, obviously, coming off the back of a draw in the Merseyside yeah. Derby. Uh, still looking to get injury back, but I did see Thiago is, is back into training. I'm not sure who he fit for this weekend, but uh, I'm going to go with Liverpool here, and I think they do it in style with a nice 2 0 win. Yeah, the only way Wolves has a chance is if they keep a clean sheet and manage to scrape one some kind of how. And I don't see. Either of those two things happening. I mean, a couple of guys for Liverpool Liverpool looked better this week, especially Harvey Elliott and Samikas. But, I mean, they obviously couldn't find a goal against Everton. But I think they get two this week and win 2 nothing. Yeah, I, uh, Liverpool's defense has been a little bit shaky this year. But Wolves, I don't think they're going to be able to find a goal in this game. They've been struggling to find the goal all season. I think uh, Liverpool will keep a clean sheet in this one. We'll go 2-0 as well. Um, so we'll, we'll move right along to the um, battle of the beaten in the Premier League where it is Tottenham travel to Man City. Justin, we'll go ahead and start with you on this one since you're the Man City fan. Oh, man, I was hoping not. <laughs> but um, Tottenham, I hate to play them. They like to sit back and just let City do their thing. And then they've got the pace to get forward and – Quality to score. Um, God, I don't want to call this one. Uh, but 2-1 Tottenham. Okay. Uh, Tottenham uh, just is, is City's kryptonite, and they have been for the past couple of seasons, uh, and knocked them out of the Champions League. Uh, I think they went unbeaten against them last year. Uh, you know, just a just a really really scrappy team. Antonio Conte's got his men working hard off the ball, and when they get the ball, they break like bats out of a cage. Uh, but they may not have an answer for the Norwegian robot that is Erling Holland. Two uh, one city here. Yeah, definitely don't see a clean sheet happening in this one. I see both teams getting on the score sheet. But I see City coming out on top. I think, like Jack said, I think Holland's going to be too much at the end. I think he'll get him a um, a brace. Won't get the hat trick, but he'll get a brace. We'll go, yeah, what Jack said, 2-1. City. Really? That's All true. right. All right, so uh, we'll move right on to the next game, the first game for Sunday. It is Everton traveling to the Emirates to take on Arsenal. Jack, uh, start us off with this one. The first El Tackle, El Tackle Co. of the season. Uh, DJ versus Sosa, Everton versus Arsenal. This is going to be a good one. Everton, astute defending, really look a much better side this season than they did last year. Arsenal, obviously, we've touched on their massive improvement so far this season. These teams actually played uh, earlier in July uh, to, uh, I believe, was it 4-1 win for Arsenal there, BJ? Yeah, something like that. 
play over here in the States. That's correct, in Baltimore. I here see a 1-1 draw. Yeah, I don't really see a 1-1 draw in this one. Um, I will say Pickford has looked really good, especially this past week at the back. Um, And that back line for Everton is starting to gel a little bit. Um, I think it really depends on how this young Arsenal squad come back after a bad loss uh, at United this past weekend, or against United, rather. But I think they're able to do it under the leadership of Arteta, and they win 2-1. Yeah, I think Justin's right. I think Arsenal do bounce back here. Um, It's tough to call the score. I would like to see a 3-1 here. I think it could happen. We're going to dominate the possession like we always do. Everton's going to let us dominate the possession. They're going to try to hit us on the counter. Well, I like to see how we'll uh, do about the counterattacks there with Everton, but I think we'll uh, dominate the game. I'm going to say three-one, fellas. That's what I want. That's what I like to see. That's what I want to see. That's what we're going to see. We'll move right along to the next game, where it is Newcastle travel to West Ham. I think this one will be a really good one. Um, West Ham finally starting to click and get goals, and Newcastle. I don't know how they were held goalless this past weekend. Um, so I see a couple goals in it. Uh, but I really think Newcastle come out on top. I'm going to say 3-2. I think we this one's a little bit higher scoring. Newcastle-West Ham, good game. Uh, West Ham obviously going to be upset about their recent uh, unfair loss. Uh, Newcastle... The same, except for the recent unfair draw. Both these teams kind of got shafted by VAR last week. I just think Newcastle's quality is too high. If they get their players back and, and they start to get healthy again and we don't have to see uh, Longstaff again, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Newcastle in this one. I'm going to say 3-1, 4-1. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, to go off what Jack said, we do see a fully healthy Newcastle here with uh, – Bruno Gamara's back and um, ASM back, Alice, Alice St. Maximum. That would be really nice, that full team. You really, It's really going to be hard for West Ham to compete with that. But I don't think we're going to see a full team out of the Newcastle. I think we're going to see a couple of them players missing. I'm not sure if any of them are due to be, come back for this game or not, but I don't think we're going to see a full squad. I think West Ham's going to come out, give it to I think West Ham's going to come out, win this one, fellas, at home. We'll say 2-1 West Ham. And then we're going to move right along to the next game, the third and final game for Sunday, and it is uh, Manchester United traveling to Crystal Palace. Justin, do you want to start us off with this one? Yeah, I think this one will be a really good one. Uh, United, uh, four in a row um, against a solid little Crystal uh, Palace team um, under Patrick Vieira. I mean, Starting to show that he's one of the better coaches in the Premier League, um, but I don't. I'm, I think United get their fifth in a row. I don't think he can handle everything that United's got going for him. Um, but I do think it's a close one. Two-one um, United. United. Uh, I see Dallo doing a great job marshalling Wolf Saha in this game, and I see a one-no win for United. I think this will be a fairly uh, contested game. Um, 
I think Crystal Palace will uh, have their fair share, uh, fair share of stay in this game, and they'll end up pulling out a draw to end Man- uh, Manchester United's uh, winning streak at four. We're gonna go with a two-two draw here. I see a goal by Zaha and maybe um, a nice little worldie by Ezzy. That'd be nice to see. Uh, but we'll go right into the last game, which takes place on Monday of next week. It is Nottingham Forest travel two leads. Jack, you want to start us off? Yeah, this is a pretty good one. Uh, Leeds coming off the back of a draw and a hefty defeat. Uh, and Nottingham Forest, a really disappointing defeat. I have to call it, uh, you know, Jesse Marsh probably won't be on the sideline. No one in the Premier League, they may wait a game or two. Who knows? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a 1-1 draw here. Justin? Yeah, if Jesse Marsh um, isn't on the bench, I think, uh, tactically, they're not going to be able to adapt to what Forrest wants to do. And seems like Forrest is starting to click a little bit, or at least the first half of last game with Lingard and Gibbs-White and Brennan Johnson. Um, I could see this one going either way. or I think, I think it's going to end up in a draw, though, 2-2. Yeah, just like the West Ham Newcastle game, I think this is a game where both teams really, really need a dub here. And it sucks for Leeds that Jesse Marsh probably won't be on the sidelines. At least he shouldn't. I mean, just like with a player, if a coach or a manager gets a red card, I don't think they should be on the sideline for the next game. Pretty simple there, but we'll see. If he is on the sidelines, that could make a little bit of difference. But I agree with Jack, uh, I mean, Justin here. I think we're going to see a tie here. Um. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with the two-two as well. Could see one-one, but yeah, two-two. A little, a little bit more of an exciting game. But that'll end us here um, for this prediction of game week seven. I'll let Jack. Yeah, if you've made off. it here to the end of our uh, fifth podcast episode, we are truly uh, so grateful for you. Listen, please, please, please follow us on Twitter. It's at tackling the prim. Uh, email us tacklingtheprim at gmail dot com. Tell us who you are. Tell us what you want to hear more of. What you want to hear less of. Uh, hit that follow button, leave a five-star review, and as always, stay safe and keep enjoying the prim. Yeah, thank yeah. y'all for listening. If you made it this far, I really, really appreciate it. Like Jack said, please follow and leave a five-star review. Yeah, tell, us, tell your friends about us and give us a follow on Twitter as well. <laughs>